Hi, uh, welcome to Social Distance Warriors. My name is Tom Dickinson, and it is... Uh, I did the last name thing again. I don't usually do that. Okay. My name is Tom, and it's January 19th in the year 2021, and I am not an expert no, in no, 2022 no. is actually the year that it is. <laughs> I'm Tom with no last name, and it's 2022, and the month is January. The day is 19. It's a Wednesday, and I'm not an expert. Clearly. This one's Wednesday. Yeah, no, thank you for uh, take, taking the lead to start us off. It's always a rough one these days. Um, I'm Rat. I have COVID, so there's that. Um, and I'm also not an expert on generally the coronavirus pandemic. So for our listeners, what is COVID? Explain it. Um, In case they haven't heard it of it. It feels, feels bad. Don't recommend it. It is the hottest virus sweeping our globe. Okay, so so um so when when did you first find out that you have it? Let's see. Uh so I believe what like my what's the word? Symptom, like identifying symptom for COVID was a sore throat, but unfortunately, I also just every single day I go to work have a sore throat because we work with like um animal allergens. Mm. So I know now that this was like a special sore throat, but <laughs> I did not know then. And um, yeah, I got tested uh, Thursday, January 13th. And I have like what I consider like this magical local pharmacy that I can't quite believe is still doing a very easy to access saliva PCR tests where I don't have to wait in line. I don't have to make an appointment. Um, and up until the Omicron surge, they were very, very reliable about getting your test result back to you within um, 24 hours. Now they're kind of a little more overwhelmed. So I took my test Thursday just because I've been trying to like every week take a COVID test mm. and the results um, didn't come back until uh, Saturday and somebody from the lab called me and then I immediately went into self-isolation in my room because um, one other of my roommates recently did have COVID but not all of my roommates have had COVID. So I've been up in my room and home from work trying to not <laughs> not infect people. Well, that is that is noble of you. Yeah. That is that is rough and I'm sorry you're dealing with it. Thanks. There was a fun headline, I guess. Headlines are fun. Um saying, you know, like, oh, some people find that when they've gotten COVID, they feel much less stressed after all. They're much less uh, anxious about it because that thing you were worrying about, uh, it finally happened. And I will say it's not true for me. Mm. Um, still still pretty stressed. Um, but l luckily, um, I will say having a, a lot of time to think, I am just doing all right. But I was very, very stressed um, for that first 24 hours, just because there's not a lot of good um, things in place for what my work situation was going to look like. Um, I ended up like individually texting multiple of my coworkers because my workplace's policy, they say, to protect my privacy is to not tell people to go get tested, even though they were around me and were exposed to someone positive for COVID, not to get tested unless they 
develop uh, COVID symptoms. That's the only time they should go get tested and Mm. they don't do any kind of contact tracing. So that was a source of (laughs) stress for a little bit, mostly because, I don't know, (laughs) there's just, um, I, I think a lot about like similarities to like HIV, AIDS, or like other kind of diseases where it's like there's a lot of shame around like, what did I do to get this disease and because the only way treating things right now is like on an individual basis it's not like a community response there is that like well (laughs) I really feel I owe this to my workplace community but then there is a lot of like guilt also around that. So do you think you're being punished for something with your COVID? (laughs) Is it punishing you for your hubris or or your ill will towards others? Um, who knows? Maybe. What did I do that was bad recently? I don't know. I'm behind on my book club reading. I think it's probably that. I'm I'm farther behind. We're reading uh, Frankenstein, and I'm much farther behind than I should be considering uh, the book club is next week. Mm. So this was, yeah, I think this was specifically to lock me in my room with Frankenstein. Which I still have not picked up. Yeah, I mean, I feel like situations like like these are ones where you might think like, oh, now I'll have time to catch up on reading. But you don't necessarily have the mental state to to focus on a book. So that that's that's what I've found when I'm I'm sick and I'm like, oh well, maybe I'll just send some home anyway. I will read a book and then I don't. I end up vegging out and watching TV or something. Yep, that is in fact. <laughs> I I did ask um, on Twitter and all all my friends um, for anime recommendations and that's mostly i'll say i I have done some things i have been meaning to get around to that kind of being very tired from work every day has been preventing me but in all honesty it's mostly been anime that is good there's there's value in that (laughs) (laughs) it's very good so what have you been watching I still um, am on, and and I'm not sure if you also talked about this on the podcast a long time ago, Sound Euphonium, the anime. Yeah, I, I probably mentioned it at some point. I, I might have referred to it by Hibike Euphonium, which is the Japanese yeah. name, but yeah. Yeah, that, that is um, the show I've been uh, getting invested in. <laughs> it's a very good show. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's produced by this by the studio Kyoto Animation, and they their shows tend to be gorgeously animated, but a lot of them tend to be things that I'm not particularly interested in. Um, so the fact that they made a show about people, someone who plays euphonium, which is the instrument I played in high school, <laughs> that was the moment I knew, like, man, this show's gonna be right up my alley, and it certainly is. Yeah, I'm I'm like so so curious right now because i've mentioned the show to my mom who one thing about my mom you need to know is that she just like has utter like an allergy to animation she really really will not watch things that are animated she cannot focus on it she does not like it but i didn't even recommend uh, sound euphonium to her i just said this is the show I've been watching, and my mom was a band kid. She played the flute. 
And she like requested me to like send her the link to crunchyroll.com to try and watch it. So I'm so, so curious to see um, what will win out in my mom um, if like the the band kid inside of her will um, win over the utter distaste of her uh, shows that are animated. Well, it could be a gateway. It could be a gateway. That is a great show. It's been some time since I watched it, but um, I, I have been recently going through the original um are you familiar with Gundam very vaguely just as like it has a place in what is the the genre the mecha uh, anime genre that's all I know yeah it's kind of it's like the big franchise and they make new series every every few years and what I've been watching is the original one from 1979 and it is very good and I didn't know I was gonna like it as much as I did so I've been I've been going through that and I'm almost done <laughs> I will say just visually, the original Mobile Suit Gundam, my um, prejudice here is that visually it looks difficult (laughs) to look at. Have you watched it? But I have not seen the show. I have not seen the show. So that's a total uh, judgment. I've made. Yeah, I kind of felt that way too. And it's it's not it's not gorgeously animated. It's kind of low budget animated. <laughs> but I don't know. I feel like it works. Like if you if you sit down and you watch it, like I don't know, maybe you'll feel differently, but I didn't feel like, oh, this is intolerable. I can't watch this. It doesn't look it doesn't look highly polished. Um I think kind of for me, my my anime sweet spot, like the the best anime aesthetic for me is is like a, a, a highly 90s anime that has like incredibly detailed drawings in the background and sort of simple character drawings. I think the two that exemplify that are um, the are Cowboy Bebop and, and Neon Genesis Evangelion. Those are kind of like my, my two gold standards for how I want anime to look. Mm. But yeah, uh, Gundam does not does not suit that because it, it is a little <laughs> bit more antiquated. Yeah. It's good though. I think my visual <laughs> preference for anime is um, like the Yu-Gi-Oh series because a lot of time they spend on interesting character design. But I will say, yeah, my like what has become uh, the anime that um, I, I think I don't think I talk a lot about Revolutionary Girl U- Utena considering like how much it is like my lifeline to <laughs> a lot of the <laughs> coping things through this pandemic. But um, I will say visually it is a, a 90s anime that the style was like the way they drew human beings was so disconcerting to me that i stopped watching it the first time i tried um and had to go again <laughs> just because of how the humans were drawn but mm. i got through it which is to say yeah visuals are nice but it's not everything yeah that show is on my list of shows to watch but i haven't watched it yet that's that's been anime <laughs> <laughs> this has been anime yeah so 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 you you're dealing with covid and that's not good yeah i am dealing not with covid but with heightened levels of covid related anxiety uh. so i don't know if i would feel better if i suddenly got it and i'd be like oh, okay the thing is has happened i don't need to feel anxious about it anymore i don't know if i would feel that way but i don't want to find out like i'm not i'm not interested in finding out yeah how how has that been um like i guess manifesting for you are you in any more like exposed um life situations or how has that covid anxiety kind of been 
manifesting for you? Well, I reduced my days going into the office for work from two a week to one a week. I've started testing one PCR test a week. And then a few days after that, I'll also do like a rapid test just to kind of up my test count. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I've got a small stockpile of rapid tests on my desk for the next couple of weeks. And I've made an official but reversible, if necessary, decision that I am not going to the Gallifrey One convention next month, Mm. which is something I've been kind of stressing about a bunch. And I don't know, the more I get used to the notion of not going, the more it feels to me like that's probably the right decision. And is it, um, is Gallifrey still, they're they're going on, Gallifrey, sorry, you said the name of the convention, I don't mean the planet of Gallifrey. (laughs) Um, Yeah, the the convention is known as Gallifrey One, or Galley for short. Yeah, they're they're still at this time continuing to plan to be an in-person convention. Yeah, yeah, and I imagine there may be some amount of contingency planning for, all right, what if we can't, but... um, it's not something they can necessarily opt out of of their own accord because an event like that has lots of contracts with other parties, mm-hmm. uh, most importantly with the hotel, which is the venue. And it's also where a lot of, a lot of the attendees and you know featured guests and, and all them stay. And of course, they have those arrangements with the guests. So they are not in a position where they can just walk away from all that just because they make the decision that that's what's best without taking like a huge financial and, and possibly legal in some cases hit. And that changes when the city of Los Angeles or the state of California or the United States, I mean, when when, when basically government mandates are such that the event can no longer happen. That's when like insurance covers things or, you know, arrangements can be made. So in the absence of any such measures, and it seems to me that like, not a lot of places around the country have been interested in doing measures like that anymore, like saying, no, you can't have big events, you can't have sports games, you can't do this, you can't do that. But in the, uh, in the event that that happens, then they'll be able to cancel the convention if they, if they choose to. But right now, it's, it doesn't even seem to be a question of, of whether, whether they want to go ahead or not or whether they're going to make the call to cancel it because that call isn't, is kind of not theirs to make at this point. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason why they, we're all fairly confident that no such directive is going to come from the city is because Los Angeles is where the Super Bowl is going to be this year. And it's like, I don't know, I know nothing of sport, but the uh, I guess it's like a week after the convention. Yeah. So if they were to make some kind of big announcement about like no big events in February, that would impact the Super Bowl. They're not going to do that. <laughs> so Yeah. I was reminded today that the Winter Olympics is also still planning to happen. <laughs> and I guess it's a thing like that where it's like, ah. <laughs> Yeah. We're still doing it. <laughs> Seems like a bad idea to me, but Yeah. So I've I've ended up deciding I have like a, a group chat with a bunch of friends who go to the Gallifrey One convention and I I took an informal poll to say, "All right, who thinks that they're going, who thinks they're not going for whatever reason, whether that's COVID related or some other reason, and um who is on the fence." And it surprised me how many people were still planning on going. Some of them are involved in the programming at the convention like they're conducting on stage interviews or or otherwise um, just you know running some aspect of the con so they don't have the option to back out in the same way I do but mm. or I, I presume they would be able to back out if they needed to but they're they're more committed than I am so but yeah I was like huh I guess some people are not feeling the way I'm feeling about this which is I mean the way I'm feeling is that if I were to go to an airport get on a plane fly to Los Angeles go to a convention in a hotel stay in some relative 
relatively small panel rooms for panels and things like that and like participate in convention activities and then get get in an airport, get on a plane, come back, like to do all those things. Like that's so many rolls of the dice. Yeah. That if I were going to go, then I should just assume I'm going to get COVID. Like, go with the intention of, like, this is a trip that I'm going on knowing that I will get COVID. <laughs> that is how I feel. And, and I, I mean, it is, it is possible that one or more people who make a different decision for me will listen to this episode and think I'm criticizing their decision to go. And I'm really not. I'm just like, that's, that's the calculation that I've made. I, I have a couple of friends who um, have made the decision to go. They're siblings, and they both they live together, and they, they both just had COVID. So they are, I guess what they refer to, I don't know if this is the word that's used, but what one of them said to me was super immune. <laughs> okay. Because they, you know, vaxxed and boosted and just had COVID this month. Mm-hmm. And will be free and clear to travel next uh, month and will uh, will have less to fear than I will because they'll have those super antibodies just coursing through their veins. <laughs> but I'm not in that position. So I've, I've, I've basically told my friends, look, I don't plan on going. I had submitted to be on a couple of panels, um, and then I withdrew that submission. I'm like, don't schedule me on these. Schedule someone else because I don't intend to be there. But what I haven't done is I haven't canceled my flight and I haven't canceled my hotel booking yet because mm-hmm. it's possible that the the great Omicron wave of late 2021, early 2022, will have a steeper drop than I'm expecting it to, because it's already started to drop in some places. And it's possible that that drop will become steeper and steeper. And, you know, two weeks from now, we'll all feel amazing about the progress we've made as a as a as a country and as a planet and as the human race. But I am not banking on that assumption. Yeah. And not to think thoughts for you, but <laughs> someone's gotta. It does sound like also like that is something you have some element of control over. Whereas um, I, I know I certainly don't have control over like the greater COVID case rates in my city or state, you know, to affect that in a major way. Whereas you do have control over like your participation. Uh, in the conference. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And luckily, as long as I give the hotel a couple of days notice, then they can cancel my room and I've made no financial commitment there. The flight, I think with the particular flight that I bought, they will, I don't think they'll refund me, but they'll give me credit towards another flight at, a, at some point in the future, which is a-okay by me. So yeah, I'm, I'm feeling relatively good about that decision. I'm a little sad about it, but also a lot of the people that I'm excited to, to see are not going to be there. Mm. Um, some of my some of my good friends are going to be there, and it'll, I'll be sad to miss them, but other good friends of mine uh, have made the call not to go for whatever reason. So wouldn't be the same anyway if I went. Anyhow, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. So one thing that I have discovered being home in my room about myself is that I get very restless. Hmm. So in that time, I did end up doing the thing where I was going to look at different countries' COVID responses. So I have I have that. If you have anything imagining like this is a quality of research from a high schooler who had a project that they did the night before. It's that level of research, but boy, did I do it. So who do, who were you most impressed by? I, I mean, like, <laughs> there, so again, like I mentioned last time that this is a throwback to my senior year of high school when I did comparative um, government. Mm. So those five countries were Russia, Nigeria, Iran, Great Britain, and China. And so like of those, I, I, I don't think I did it to be a like, who's the best, but by like covid numbers alone china china is they literally have a covid zero policy there are some cases and there's you know 
things, um, especially with them wanting to be hosting the Winter Olympics. There's like things about that, but all of the articles about China's COVID zero policy that I read were talking about, well, is it really such a good idea to emphasize not getting COVID, think about the economy? (laughs) And just by that comparison, living in the U.S. where we're really, really thinking about the economy to the detriment of um, letting people just get COVID. That was interesting to compare. Uh. There was also a website that I found that had nice, fun uh, (laughs) graphics. It's the global COVID-19 access tracker because the other thing I was looking at I was trying to look at one, like, is anybody giving people money to stay home? And my high school level (laughs) of research didn't really do much with that. But um, in terms of, like, what is the population rate that's getting vaccinated look like? And what is that country's, like, access to having vaccines? It was really bad. (laughs) Like, because you can see on that tracker, like, how many vaccines per person a country has and there's just like so much vaccine hoarding that is happening that puts like a country like Nigeria who their population is less than two and a half percent vaccinated and that's because in part they do not have enough vaccines for their population which is in part because places that Um, like the U.S., companies that have made the vaccine have patented them, and we have so many, and then we get to be in a position of like, oh, we can donate this many vaccines around the world, as opposed to like, we can release the patents and let people also make their own Hmm. vaccines in different countries. So that that was like the most disheartening thing to see. It was hard to like... I'll admit, whenever the, like, CDC would come up in a, like, search result, I would just sort of not click on them because I'm not feeling so hot towards the CDC right now. But, like, there are different global health initiatives or, like, trying to get, like, populations to have 40% vaccinated rate and when that will be possible. And we're maybe not on track, but it was interesting to see just because I've been so much not looking at any of the world, generally, not even just COVID response, but like looking at anything other than stuff that's very, very like hyper local to me, like just dealing with like what my job is doing, what my family is doing, what my state is doing was about all I could really handle. So it was interesting to kind of check in because I think it does just give some perspective. Mm. Yeah. A lot of this isn't very encouraging. (laughs) No. (laughs) Do you, do you feel um, despair in the same way? Like I do. I don't know. That's you. How could you possibly answer that question? But I don't know. Do you feel constant despair at the state of things? Um, Yeah. (laughs) Because I do. Yeah, I think so. I don't know. I don't know if that's a good thing for me to be feeling. Like I've been starting to think more and more about this lately in that I feel like I have become more and more of a doomer. Um I was going to I was going to say yeah, doom pilled is the the term that I keep not wanting to apply to myself, but 
Yeah. I mean, here's, I feel like there's a certain seasonality to my depression too, Mm -hmm. that in that like right now I am more susceptible to believing the negative thoughts than I usually am. So I'm trying to kind of account for that in how I feel. But I I do kind of feel like really since the 2016 election, honestly, I've just been constantly feeling like repeatedly doom pilled (laughs) again and again about like, oh, there's no hope for the future. The best I can hope for is that the collapse of everything is far enough in the future that I can live a relatively decent life and then I'll die and I won't have to worry about it. And I don't think, I don't I don't know if that's a productive way of thinking. I don't know if I need to be productive though. Like that's another thing. So <laughs> I don't know. This is, I, I've been thinking a lot about, about like, okay, well now what, if I feel that despair, like what, what's, what's the next step? Is it to find a way to feel less despair or is it to find a way to decide how, how one lives under the condition of despair? And I, I just, I haven't, haven't come to a, a solution there. Don't know what to do. Yeah. I I can't say if I feel despair in quite the same way um, as you do, but <laughs> I, I think definitely, yeah, it's, it's there. And that is the idea of like, what should I be doing? It's really like, how, how do you respond to not only this kind of ongoing kind of crisis, but it's, it's just like, it doesn't feel like a, um, a thing that will go away. <laughs> so I guess that is the good news is that like there will be many opportunities to respond to things that make you despair. Mm, yeah. So many chances to practice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one of the, one of the areas I've seen this talked about a lot is in terms of like climate doomerism and mm-hmm. there are climate activists who will criticize the notion of feeling defeatist about the state of climate change and say like, well, if you think like that, then then you're wrong because there are things we can do about climate change and we can take steps to mitigate the effects of climate change. I mean, like the way I always feel in response to that is like, well, I, I agree that there are things that we can do. It's just that I have this belief that we won't. <laughs> the people who have the power to do those things won't do them. And that the people who have the power to make those people do the things, like people will not organize to do that. So, I mean, I just... I don't know. I want to believe things that are true, but I also want to believe things that are helpful to me to believe. And I don't I don't know if those are always the same thing. Yeah. One term we learned in my comparative government high school class was uh, political efficacy, which mm. is the like how in a population, how much is there a belief that like you can influence uh, your government? And I feel like that's the thing is that when it feels like you have no way of actually influencing your government and or you know like the the forces that shape how we respond to climate control how we respond to pandemics how we like make daily living conditions better it's just hard to like do anything with that yeah one one of the hot topics in the united states news for the past few weeks i feel like has been are we headed for another civil war in the united states is that something you've seen uh no <laughs> No, but it's not a surprising topic considering how things have been going. Yeah, I mean, my take on this is, I don't know, it just seems so implausible that anyone would be able to get their shit together to organize a civil war. Like, drawing battle lines and, like, forming two different militaries in the United States to fight against one another? Like, that just seems so implausible. People can't do shit. No one's getting anything done. Yeah. There's both like a sense in me that really wants to like contextualize like there's so many times in history when people are living through apocalyptic world ending events and people do get sick and people do die in war and like terrible things 
do happen. And there is a way that people still manage to go on paired with like, it feels like this one's really bad Mm. (laughs) right now. Like this one that we're living through partially because it's like, this is the one I'm living through partially because like, there is no like history hindsight or like security that we don't know what point in the story we are at Mm. (laughs) of like that. This is really bad. Do you, do you know what, do you know where we are in the story? (laughs) Oh, I don't, um, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't feel like we're in the first third of it. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm wrong about that, though. Anyhow, I'm sorry to, like, drag this conversation <laughs> to many very depressing places when you're already, you know, suffering from COVID. So, uh, and the increased isolation that goes along with it. Um, do you want to talk about action items? Uh, yeah, we can talk about action items. Um, so what were last week's action items? Well, there were two of them. Okay. One of them was don't get COVID. Okay. <laughs> How'd you do on that one? So failed, failed step one. <laughs> I did get COVID. I did not not get COVID. So I did fail that action item. Mm. As far as I know, I don't have it. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't tested since Saturday. So I don't know. You are the, of the members of this podcast, you are the most <laughs> not COVID having uh, podcast host. Yeah, that seems true. That seems true to me. Yeah. Um, the other one was stop doing something. I did that. Um, <laughs> did you also do that? I don't know that I did. I think I have found it hard to find a thing to stop doing because most of the things that I know I should stop doing and that is within my power to stop doing, I've already stopped doing them. I, I don't know. I'm struggling with this one. Did you? You did. What would you stop doing? It feels kind of like a hollow victory now, but um, this whole week leading up to when I got COVID, I was very, very stressed at work um, because of our uh, half hour morning meetings at my workplace where up to a dozen people are all in the same room and people only wear cloth masks and they're drinking their coffee. And I would basically find myself like having a panic attack in those morning meetings. And one thing that I stopped doing, (laughs) I managed to shift my schedule to come into work a little bit later, just a half hour later, so that um, I would no longer, some of our departments can start um, at a a later time. So I would no longer be with my department having the morning meeting. So I believe I'll still keep that schedule. It didn't really stop the thing I was trying to have it stop, which is Mm. stop exposing me to all my coworkers. And stop me from getting COVID, but um, that was a thing that I feel like with my limited amount of control against my workplace as an institution not having great COVID policies and my supervisors sort of like saying they take COVID very seriously, but not. <laughs> this was one thing that I felt that at least at least I could remove myself from the situation. Like I couldn't end morning meetings for my department. I thought that was not an effective use of my time, but I could just like very simply text my supervisor and be like, hey, I need to come at a different time. No, no reason, no, no details <laughs> and have that happen. So that was what I stopped doing. And... <laughs> I did that one. So failed failed action item <laughs> one real bad, but d- did did all right at the second one. Yeah, I don't think I've stopped anything and I may be unstoppable. <laughs> <laughs> it it happens. <laughs> yeah, I will I will continue to monitor my um my stoppage progress, but <laughs> Monitor your power levels and see if they get to dangerous, uh, unstoppable conditions. 
I did do a previous action item play a game. I've been playing the game Disco Elysium. Oh, nice. Have you heard of this game? I've heard of it. It's very good, but it has its hooks in me in the way that I will sometimes get with games where I just don't want to do anything but play it. And it's a story-based game, so I just want to see it through to the end. And I feel like I've just been staying up too late. I've been, you know, spending too much of my free time on this game instead of, you know, reading books and or, or which I'm trying to do more of or or doing anything else. And I just want to get through it. Like I want it, I want it to be done now because it's taken over my life too much. <laughs> it's a good game, but um, it has a dangerous effect on me apparently. Mm-hmm. Do we want to propose new action items? Um, I do. I do have one action item to propose. It is to change up the medium. And what I mean by that is um, for just like a person in your life or many people if you have the social energy for that um just just change up how you talk to them if you usually communicate by texting see if you want to do a phone call if you usually just send funny pictures of memes to each other try typing something different mix it up write them a letter See what happens. Yeah, that sounds cool. Um, I also have an action item I would like to suggest. Okay. And it's listen to an album that came out in the year 2022. Album. Um, Because we're a few weeks into 2022. There must already be some good albums out there. (laughs) I don't know if I have any in mind. Like, I can't really think of any off the top of my head that from artists that I'm already invested in. But, like, Google new album releases, January 2022. See what's out there. Okay. (laughs) So with that, shall we, uh, shall we adjourn? We can do that. We can end each episode. Oh, that's the thing. That's the thing. Okay, sorry. That's the thing I wanted to add to our like end uh, ritual is we never mention our Twitter handle. Should we? Can we do that? Yeah, we can. We can do that. Yeah. What is our Twitter? Like, are you talking about our show's Twitter handle or our individual? You, oh, oh, no, not God, not. I don't need. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need more individual followers. Uh, just the shows. Yeah, the shows. The shows Twitter handle is at sdw underscore pod. So that's the initials of the show, and then the word pod, and between the two of them, an underscore. You can find the the show at it's at sdwpod.fireside.fm because Fireside is the service that hosts the show. Hell yeah. Now we will end each episode the way we end every episode by staying distant. Uh, and by going the distance. Yeah.